On today's show, the Cavs beat the Spurs behind a 41-point night for Donovan Mitchell. Took a little bit of work in the second half, but they got it done. We'll talk about that game on today's episode of Locked On. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On today to get started. I'm Chris Manning from Fear the Sword, from Diamond Uprock, from the Just Basketball Show. Locked On Cavs. That man over there is Evan Damrell, the proprietor of one right down Euclid. Today's show, Cavs Spurs Big Takeaway in Segment 1, Game Award Segment 2, Segment three, we're going to talk about how big of a deal it is that Donovan Mitchell is playing like Donovan Mitchell again, and, and also a little bit about how the Cavs are maybe playing a little bit smaller the last couple of nights and what that kind of means. I want to remind you, though, that uh, Jake Stevens produced this episode, and the music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astral Radio. Evan, Cavs beat the Spurs for a seventh straight win. What la- Second to last game before the All-Star break, the last home game before the All-Star break, beat a Spurs team that they lost to in San Antonio. In San Antonio, this Spurs team very bad. They took care of business here, got a little choppy in the second half. Kind of, we're, Neither of us were at the arena tonight, seeing some of the tweets from uh, reporters on the scene. Bickers have seemed a little bit annoyed about the second half effort level and kind of letting the game get out of hands a little bit. But they got dub, won seven in a row, sets up a very big game on Wednesday. What are your mm-hmm. big thoughts on this one? I mean, that's my biggest takeaway is just, at first, when I was taking notes, uh, the Cavs were beating up on the Spurs quite a bit. And there, it was very evident that this is not a good San Antonio team. They have aspirations for what the draft holds for them, and as well as just all the overwhelming young league type players they've drafted, they need to find minutes for. But Devontae Graham made it interesting for sure. Uh, Malachi Brandon definitely made it interesting as well for San Antonio. And I think it, it was dicey. I understand why JB Bickerstaff might be frustrated. And I think, at least for the first half, this was an indication of Cleveland taking care of business against a bad team. And then you saw them take their foot off the gas in the second half. And San Antonio, even despite their flaws and their record, are still a well-coached team with Greg Popovich at the helm. So you saw San Antonio kind of take advantage of that. But I think if you're Cleveland, maybe this gives you a little bit of an extra edge heading into Wednesday's game against Philadelphia, where, yeah, Donovan Mitchell's kind of looking like his old self again. Um Cleveland's won seven games in a row, and maybe this is just a little bit of the punch they needed to kind of wake them up because this is a this is a national TV game for Cleveland now. Like ESPN uh, flexed, or sorry, the NBA flexed this game on ESPN, bumping out Brooklyn and Miami, and now all eyes are going to be on the Cavs, and they better show up because there's a little bit of some stakes in this one, just because they could be in third place in Eastern Conference if they win on Wednesday, and just again, maybe just not playing down to your opponent is a good way to maybe make you wake up a little bit and maybe you're a little bit more charged heading into Wednesday's game just besides the outside extracurricular noise I just laid out there for it. Yeah, we'll, we'll preview that game in full the Wednesday show. That's such a big game. It deserves a lot of attention in a way that oh, yeah. we don't always get to do with some games because if the Cavs win, they're not, they get the tiebreak over Philly and they'll be third in the East going into the All-Star break. What I think Evan stands out from this one is, is maybe just... Uh, 
there, there's two things that kind of stand out. They're kind of parallel paths. Number one, first half is a very kind of dominant Cavs performance. They kind of have come out of late really since the, the Grizzlies game and really been aggressively kind of beating teams to the punch, punching first and being very aggressive and kind of dominating mm-hmm. from the get-go. They're not messing around with these bad teams. They didn't mess around with the Pistons last week. They didn't really mess around with the Spurs in the first half. They, they beat the Pacers like not that long ago. They're taking care of business in the way you'd expect them to. The second half was a little bit of malaise. This was a little bit of take the foot off the gas, kind of just meander around a little bit. You win, mm-hmm. but you lose the last two quarters, and like you really just kind of relied on having a really great quarter and, and then just doing enough the rest of the way to win. I could understand if you're the coach of that team why that's kind of frustrating. And, and yeah. it's really, I think, Donovan Mitchell, who we'll talk about a lot, that kind of is your savior in this game in a lot of ways, and he is kind of the, the big, big reason why you win and why you can kind of do some of that stuff in a game like this. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell's, not just this game, but a lot of games for Cleveland this year has been their saving grace more often than not. Like There are instances, especially in the beginning of the season, I just think about when Darius Garland went down with that eye injury, where if they didn't have Mitchell, the Cavs would be in a lot different of a spot than they are currently. But again, physically, Mitchell's starting to look a little bit more right after that groin issue he's been dealing with ever since he kind of tweaked it and just been back and forth with it. But like you said, the, the Cavs were dominant in the first quarter. They outscored San Antonio 34 to 19. And I'm like thinking, okay, this is this is going to be a good old fashioned butt kicking against a bad team. And the Cavs have really shown up. And they they started to take things off the gas in the second quarter. They really took it off in the second half overall. But again, Donovan Mitchell's their saving grace. I, I I'll tease the upcoming segment, but he's my MVP for this game by and far. But other shout outs to like Darius Garland had a very solid game of 16 and seven. Jared Allen was consistent as always uh, Eastern conference player of the week, possible snub, depending on how you feel about him, Jared Allen and Isaac Okoro was functional. And Evan Mobley was very, very good on defense. Like this was, there were some good individual performances, but Mitchell is the headliner and the reason why the Cavs won this game. I, the other thing to hit from this game is I think we're current. We're seeing a little bit of a clarity in, in what the rotation is going to look like. I want to mm-hmm. just run through the minutes for this one. Kevin Love obviously is is still a DMP, so he is not in this rotation for those keeping track at home. But Evan Mobley plays 37 minutes. Isaac Hoare plays 36. Jared Allen plays 38, just a tad under 39, the most on the team. Donovan Mitchell plays 36, just a tad under 37. Darius Garland played 29 minutes, 51 seconds. He didn't even break the 30-minute mark, but you'd expect he plays more mm-hmm. bigger games. Ricky Rubio plays 22, just a tad under 23. Karis Silver plays 20. Jetty Osmond plays 11. And Dean Wade only plays five, and I believe did not again play in the second half. That's the second straight game they have gone away. They, Dean would play in the first half, and then he didn't see the floor in the second half. We'll see if this kind of holds, you know, through the Philly game and out of the All-Star break, but it feels like right now, Bickers have kind of decided on the eight or nine guys. He likes Danny Green, obviously, will be introduced into that, and he will definitely play. Yeah. I think all indications are that Danny Green is going to have a role in this team. We'll talk on Wednesday kind of in detail who he's going to take minutes from, what kind of pairings we might see him in. But Evan, it feels like we're starting to kind of get the idea of what the the, the rotation that J.B. Bickerstaff is most comfortable with mm-hmm. going into the All-Star break and then heading into the stretch run. It is the guys that played tonight when everyone is healthy, when everyone is available. These are the guys I feel like he's going to lean on more often than not. I am curious why Dean Wade didn't play in the second half. Um, I understand maybe like physically he's not 100% there. I know 
he shared when I asked him the other day, just like how he's doing. He's like a lot better. He's like, I have my legs underneath me. I feel like the wind is kind of not being sucked out of my lungs and I'm out there as much. But it is curious to watch just how they utilize Dean Wade. Because the whole reason why Kevin loves out of the rotation at this point is because Bickerstaff wants to give more minutes to Dean Wade off the bench. So it's interesting to see. I think Karis Levert and Ricky Rubio being like the leading bench minute guys isn't surprising. So yeah, like you said, we'll, we'll sink our teeth more so into the Danny Green aspect of things, especially if Green is healthy and maybe more ready than I probably think he'll be just to start things off for Cleveland. But it's definitely interesting. And this is a starter heavy game at the end of the day. Like like you said, Garland is the only starter who didn't break 30 minutes, but a lot of it was Donovan Mitchell just doing everything on offense. And then a lot of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley on defense to kind of lock things down against San Antonio. Let's go on a break, come back. We'll give it our game awards. That's MVP. That is stat of the night. And that's play of the night. So tune in after this break that, but first today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point, scored and point scorers and threes drained. I cannot wait, Evan, to see what the line is for Cavs 76ers on Wednesday. The Cavs closed at the, at, by, by tip as 16-point favorites against the Spurs. Obviously, they didn't, co- they didn't ultimately cover that one, but... That was a that was a big big line. I expect the line for Wednesday is going to be a little bit closer. I'd be kind of curious to see if you could do some like fun Donovan Mitchell, Joel Embiid center like seeing game parlay with with point totals both. Just because I feel like both those guys are going to show up big time in that game. And look, they have so many more exclusive bets like the two two by three two three pointers scored in the first three minutes. And FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger for a chance of bigger payouts with the same parlay. So don't miss the chance for your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com backslash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com backslash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner, official sports betting partner of... All right. Lockdown Cavs is back. Let's give out some game awards, Evan. Who's your MVP? I already said it, but it's it's Donovan Mitchell, man. This is just another feather in his cap of being Cleveland's best player. And I said this on the Locked On Now, but if you're Cleveland looking back on this trade for Mitchell, and if I'm looking more so in the Jazz side of things, like I would have asked for more at this point just because he's been everything that Cleveland has needed and then some and then some and then some. Like, again, it is beyond impressive that he's in year seven, I believe, of his NBA career at this point, six or seven of his NBA career. And he's putting up the best numbers of his career when like his first, second, third years with the Jazz were just absolutely bonkers, especially year three when he just started to really find a groove as like the premier off- offensive option for Utah. But it's the offensive numbers, the defensive stuff. It's the playmaking. Like he is the heart, soul, motor, engine, whatever you want to say for this offense for Cleveland. And he will take them as far as he can. And obviously having a very, very strong supporting cast next to him helps a lot, makes things a lot easier. And I'm sure if you like asked him right now, he'd deflect all the praise and give shouts to his guys. Unless it's Dylan Brooks, he'll talk crap about him any day of the week. But it's Donovan Mitchell. Like he was the best player on the floor for Cleveland tonight and easily could average 30 and seven if he had less offensive options around him. I 
it's Mitchell. I mean, there's there's no other choice. Forty one points for Mitchell. Looked he looks really healthy again. We're going to talk about why that matters so much in in segment three. Here's his full stat line: forty one points, six of twenty six, sixteen of twenty six from the field, six of thirteen, three three of four from the line, five assists, three boards, just two turnovers. Had a block shot, had a steal, had some really good defensive moments. You know, in this game, he he is having in all NBA season, it feels like he is very much out of that month kind of struggle. He talked about this um, over, over the weekend after, uh, I can't even remember, they played the Bulls on Saturday, and he kind of talked about getting through some of that. So it, it feels like very much they're out of the, the Mitchell kind of mm-hmm. malaise there. Uh, Evan, this leads right into stat of the night, and I'll leave this one off. So thing, this is kind of a combo about his scoring. Okay, so this is Mitchell's 20th. This is Mitchell's 20th 30-point or more game of the year. This is his sixth game of 40 or more. Only Luka Doncic, Giannis, Damian Lillard, Joel Embiid, and Jason Tatum have more. He has more 40-point games than guys like Shea Gilch-Alexander, LeBron James, and Devin Booker. He's also Bulls, the only one with a 71-plus game, too. That so. is correct. He did have 71. Donovan Mitchell, full stop, is having one of the best-scoring seasons in the league. He's been hyped. Efficient. He's getting big point totals. He is doing everything he wanted to score. He's having an all NBA season. This is just like another, like, oh, yeah, he scored 40. He is mm-hmm. having 40 point games, and it's just like, yeah, he dropped 40. Not a big deal. Obviously, scoring's up around the league, but what he's doing is highly, highly impressive. For him to get to 40 again is, is crazy. It, it wouldn't shock me if he does this four more, more times the rest of the year. No, it wouldn't shock me if he does it again on against Philly on Wednesday just because of the stakes of that game and maybe the Cavs having to lean on him so much just to do more for them okay. offensively. But it, that note, this is a little tease for the, the preview show. I Mitchell is really, really good at yeah. like pointing at his teammates and saying, give me this screen. He'll like point. You can watch your own game. So he'll point at Okoro. He'll point at a big and be like, I want this specific screen. He uses like his screeners to set things up as he's like a chess master. 100% if it's a close game late, Tyrese Maxey, whoever is Tyrese Maxey is guarding is going to be setting a screen for Donovan Mitchell, and Donovan Mitchell is going to try to go off on Tyrese Maxey. I would, I would slap some money on that on FanDuel if they let me bet on it. It would, it would, that would be fun to watch, and that's pretty interesting that you do notice that detail and that you kind of pointed out it is something that has happened quite a lot this year, and like Mitchell is so elite in pick and roll, and to kind of go... Digging a little deeper off of your stat, uh, Cleveland was 9 of 28 from the three-point range in this game. Donovan Mitchell made six of those nine three-pointers with the other two with two of them, the other ones coming from Jetty Osmond and Isaac Moro, so a little surprising that he, his three-point yeah. support didn't come from Darius Garland in this one, or, I mean, Karis LeVert's kind of falling off a cliff in terms of shooting, but, like, again, Mitchell is everything the Cavs hoped for and then some and then some just because, like, he is so reliable to getting you those seven to eight three-pointers a night that the Cavs just so desperately needed last year just to like take this offense that was pretty good last year to it's just a completely different level because of the spacing and the verticality and the gravity and all the other NBA uh, big buzzword superlatives we can use in this one. But like yeah, Donovan Mitchell's just really freaking good. Like this is this is the Donovan Mitchell uh, squash the Spurs segment. I don't know what to call it. Good name for it. Spank the Spurs. There we go. Cavs were nine, nine of twenty-eight from three in this game. Not a particularly like three shooting night. And the fact that they won is just like, okay, you know, you you survive that. That's that that that's a good night of work. Um, if you get in part because they're twenty twenty-five for the free throw line, that would have been another 
I think, possible stat option. Evan, let's go to play of the night. Oh, by the way, other thing on Mitchell scoring that I, at the broadcast point of this out after, he's, mm-hmm. he, so he has six 40-point games now. He's only five behind Kyrie Irving on the Cavs 40-point game list. LeBron obviously has the most. It's like over 50, I think it had, but Kyrie's at 11. Mitchell's like likely going to pass that, like probably not this year, but like next year. Like very possible yeah. he already passes Kyrie in that category. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, that's weird. Kind of crazy. Also de- it depends on what Kyrie does as well, too. Like if he goes to Phoenix and leaves Dallas, if he stays in Dallas, like there's a lot of paths for it. But yeah, it's very possible. Well, I mean, I mean, like, no, Mitchell I mean, like still in, in, a Cavs, his, in a Cavs uniform. Oh, in a Cavs uniform. In a Cavs okay. uniform only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought you were just talking about across the league. I'm like, no, 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 no. He's, no, it's so, just Cavs, but just in a Cavs uniform. But that in itself is nutty because Mitchell's been here for like, it's like a cup of coffee at this point. And Kyrie, yeah. like, obviously had like a, a pretty decent run. And you, I kind of would have thought it would have been more than 11 considering like his reputation, but like probably going to beat that like next year you would expect. Yeah, that's, it is weird thing. It also maybe just not, not a slight against the Cavaliers, but like the lack of star power from that 90s era team to when LeBron came to town and then like just LeBron being the premier guy, then Kyrie being the guy. And like now the Cavs have just like an overabundance of wealth and they have a superstar in Donovan Mitchell. But what's your play of the night pick? Okay, so I have two because I cheat this like every time. Um, I'm gonna give the one I'm gonna shout is fourth quarter, two fifty six to go. Cavs are still just trying to close this one fully out. Ball ends up on the ground. Evan Mobley dives on the ground, gets loose ball. Kind of his fault. The ball was a loose ball anyway, but he like to mm-hmm. his credit, like Dovin got it, gets it to Okoro, who gets it to to Mitchell. Mitchell turns into two points. That that stuff just really matters. Yeah. I was going to use an explicit, but we can't swear anymore. But that that stuff really matters. He they just mucked up some points where they needed them. Mobley just Mobley, one of your best players, going and making a hustle play, getting a 50-50 ball, throwing his body on the floor, matters. So that's my play of the night. That's a great pick. And sorry, I'm laughing at the fact that the Mavericks bench just got warned for excessive acceleration by the officials. But um like you said, like you need another guy to step up, maybe just like because Donovan Mitchell's not perfect. I know we're refusing praise left and right on him, but like he took 26, yeah, 26 shots tonight with 16 and 26 from the floor. Like was gobbling up a ton of opportunities. And then the other guys, just his other co stars, i.e., Evan Mobley in the assistance, like Chris pointed out, um, was just available. Mitchell wasn't honestly on, and, and that just one slight moment. So it was a good play. But for me, mine is just kind of going off that like just verticality and gravity aspect is just in it's about four minutes left in the first quarter uh san antonio collapses on jared allen because i think it's just pretty obvious like you have dean wade streaking to one corner you have isaac Core on the other you have darius garland off ball with mitchell and then you see the spurs collapse on the paint just because either like okay mitchell's gonna drive or they're gonna feed it to allen so let's just collapse on him and try and dare him to take three mitchell just really took that dare and like pulled up from near half court and ripped it and i'm like okay that that's what the moment I'm thinking, like, okay, this game's gonna be a blowout pretty quick, and then it got interesting. But that was just the kind of tone setting moment where you're also thinking and looking back at least to Donovan Mitchell's performance, and you're saying, okay, he had kind of like this is uh FU plays. I'm not gonna explain to the kids at home what that means, but like it's just one of those moments where like the Cavs need a guy who has a little bit of an edge to him and he's fearless in taking those shots because those can shift the momentum so quickly back in your favor. 100%. All right, let's go into one more break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Mitchell a little bit more, talk about why him being healthy really matters. But first, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. 
Look, if you're a business owner or a hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open job with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs help find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions. All right, last segment, locked on Cavs. Evan, here is why I think the, the biggest reason why Mitchell being healthy matters. The Cavs are obviously in this race for a playoff positioning in the East. They have other good players that have, I think, stepped up in his absence. And that's good. That that is a that yeah. is a big thing that they, they have this high level talent that can kind of help them survive like a game or two missed here and off night here or there for some of their guys. But la- when I think back to last year and where things kind of went wrong for them, it felt like at the end of the year, injuries hung over this group in a big way. Oh, yeah. And like I, I didn't go there with this Mitchell injury because we had no indication that it was that severe. But that was like obviously just kind of the thing that these injuries can be tricky. Devin Booker missed mm-hmm. just missed a ton of time with that in Phoenix. These things can be very can hinder seasons. Injuries can hinder seasons if they linger and they nag guys. Mitchell just being right and looking the way he has going into the Oscar break I, and the way they're playing right now would give me if I'm Cleveland a lot of confidence that that's not going to be a problem here. Oh, no, absolutely not. And uh, for heading into the All-Star game itself, hopefully this gives Donovan Mitchell the confidence before he performs stand-up at an elementary school in Salt Lake. I got an email about it over the weekend. just wanted to share it. Um, but like you said, he is Cleveland's MVP, and it's nice that the Cavs have an overabundance of talent that can step up in the absence of Donovan Mitchell, but you're also correct in just the fact that it wasn't just injuries plaguing Cleveland season last year. Like, yes, that was the through line just from beginning to end, but it was like compounding injuries just around the same time as last year as this year. So you see Darius Garland dealing with back stuff and the Cavs are kind of just being cautious with him. Then you see Ricky Rubio go down with the ACL tear. And then before that, there's also Colin Sexton who tears his meniscus and, Kobe Alvin kind of pointed this out um, post-trade deadline that last year that the Cavs were kind of scrambling and desperate. That's why they went and got Karis LeVert for that secondary creation, that secondary ball handling, just to relieve some of the pressure on Darius Garland. And you've seen games where like Mitchell is either he isn't playing or he isn't on. You see the Darius Garland of last year where he's just able to kind of flip that switch and be the offensive dynamo the Cavs need. And I think that's reassuring if you're Cleveland that he still has that in his back pocket. But now that you have Donovan Mitchell, who's just such a consistent threat, it allows Garland to be a lot more creative offensively too. So obviously Karis LeVert is a fine player. I have his questions with this fit overall, but like last year at the trade deadline when Cleveland acquired him, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. They need ball handling. They need some type of shot creation. They need some bigger size just at the two guard spot and just somebody to relieve that pressure off Garland. 
Well, the Cavs kind of just took that idea and fully sprinted up the mountain with it at that point to go get Donovan Mitchell. And like, that's a completely just different instance, of course. So it's just, it's important that he's healthy again, because now the Cavs can just be a lot more creative and a lot more dynamic with their other star players. And obviously like Mitchell is going to be the central offensive focus for this team and as it should be, but now like that creativity and just flexibility really unlocks a lot of potential for this team, not just now, but like down the line too. Cause again, Mitchell's still in his prime. Like he's not like a cooked veteran. The Cavs went and got like, they got an all-star superstar in his prime and they're adding it to a young core that is only going to get better from here. He, he, I mean, I, I think the thing with him that has impressed me the most that I don't know if I, I just, pick up on like not watching him night in night and not hearing him talk about stuff that I've come away just kind of really impressed by with Mitchell is like that he is so freaking competitive like the thing about him that I think makes him like obviously there's these really big physical characteristics how good he is at the game and all that stuff and I think competitiveness with him is like one of the things that really elevate what he is like this guy like loves the competition he loves kind of getting in some of these battles he loves kind of the muck of it and i i think that stands out and i and i think like as we've seen him get help like you're seeing that like kind of like that part of mitchell like come up like he was kind of the big reason i thought in the second half of this game where like he's kind of the one like darius did some stuff that was really good evan obviously had the way we should uh jared allen had a great game Mitchell feels like the guy like at the center mm-hmm. of kind of those moments where you're like looking for someone just to kind of shepherd them in a certain direction yeah. and control the flow as much as Garland's thing is like the game within the game, getting guys open, creating all this stuff. Mitchell is the one who sort of at times like very much dictates like where the where the Cavs are. Then Garland plays off of that perfectly. But Mitchell's the one that is like setting the tone for whatever phase of the game they're in when they're on the floor together. Yeah. And that's a good point. And to kind of circle back a little bit, like, just to ape off of what you said, Donovan Mitchell has that edge to him offensively too. Like it's that competitive spirit, but I think that that edge gives the Cavs a little bit of something. And maybe it is that loss to Miami where they just came out flat and got grinded into dust by a very good defensive heat squad. Bickers have talked to Bickers have talked about that over the weekend. He was like, people say the Grizzlies game, but to me it was the heat game that we figured something out. And I, and I feel like that that's a great shot by you. And Jared Allen pointed out like the, the heat, punched the Cavs and they never responded and I think they kind of had to dig deep and look in the mirror and use a lot of the sports cliches but there was something that was kind of incubating and then hatched after that heat game and I think the Grizzlies game certainly compounded it with just the Dylan Brooks stuff and maybe that was just the Cavs kind of saying like you know what we're sick of taking other teams crap we're going to deliver the first punch and then we're going to keep hitting and hitting and hitting and I know the quarter two through four and then obviously the second half against San Antonio isn't the best example of this but when you look at the entire seven game win streak like the Cavs have taken care of business against bad teams they have looked composed and poised and they look a lot more stronger than I'd say to than they were about two weeks ago like they looked like they were a little bit lost two weeks ago clearly with Mitchell being hurt it doesn't help a lot but yeah something was born from that heat game and it's fascinating you need to see what it becomes when this team's fully healthy and when they kind of hit that next cylinder because they're going to get healthier they're going to be able to rest up because of the all-star break and then they're going to come back maybe be a little sluggish out of things but then like build their way back towards this and really 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 hit a very interesting strike on like late march early april nugget first came out of the break is some delicious stuff 
I wonder if they'll bring the guy back who did the me versus nuggets challenge and then <laughs> failed by the first quarter and they had to pull him because they booed him on the jumbotron. I, I hope for his sake that he stays far away and is having like much better, like gut health moments in his current moment in life. Like just the- well, if athletic greens is still the sponsor. I'd plug them for him. So, I mean, I don't know if that's saving you when you're eating a hundred, trying to eat like hundreds of nuggets. There, there's just like a lot of like considering how good the Nuggets are on offense. I feel like Cavs versus Nuggets is like a p- potential public health crisis at this point. Okay, that's fair. I thought you were going to say it first when you said, "I like, considering how good Nuggets are." And I'm like, "Oh, Chris, you're about to divulge you uh slam some Mickey D's fifty Nuggets." Could not, could not tell you the last time I had a I'd eat <clears throat> McDonald's much less a McDonald's chicken nugget. Well, Chris is not loving it, but to the circle back, Donovan Mitchell is just really good, and I think. Just him continuously getting better and also having the best season of his career. Again, in year six, I had to look it up. I was wrong in the second segment. But year six, considering some of the nuts stuff he did at the Jazz, is really tantalizing to kind of try to conceive what the potential of this team could be long term. Because it, it's hard to really put a peg or a ceiling on it, and nor should we, because it, it's fun to watch them grow and develop in real time. And on this, Evan, uh, so... Small thing. I don't know totally where it leads. But the Cavs have skewed a little smaller last couple. I think that's where you see Dean Wade, you know, not playing as many minutes. You're seeing like Osmond and Lavert on the floor together with like Rubio and one of the guards. And then just the one big, only one of Mobley Rowland. You're not seeing Wade. You're not seeing Robin Lopez. This is an interesting little development. I think it, it, it kind of makes sense with Danny Green perhaps coming in. And, and maybe just trying to play a little more spaced out. It, and it's it's an interesting development. They also haven't tried to put Lamar Stevens in there to kind of like have a little no. bit of both because Lamar can't shoot and, and that maybe kind of defeats the purpose of it. I, I am curious to see how much they lean into this, what kind of matchups they like it in. I, I, it's, it feels like something that they are trying now and maybe will go away from it at a certain point, but it feels like something they're trying now because it's a look they might want to go to in the playoffs. It feels like something they want to have in their back pocket to maybe back to and be like, okay, we, we've at least played this way a little bit and can, and can try mm-hmm. it. And we, we trust the playmaking that we have to kind of make it all work. It, that, that's an interesting point. And I wonder if sometimes we'll see Bickerstaff play his playoff hand a little bit. Like we saw it at times against the Heat when he's playing Evan Mobley on Jimmy Butler and kind of getting creative with just how they're utilizing some of these just defensive freaks they have on their team. And freaks is an endearing term, by the way. But the rotation stuff will be interesting. I wonder what Danny Green does do to the calculus. We're going to talk about it again, like you said, on Wednesday show when uh, Green is probably going to be a Cavalier. I think he clears waivers either Tuesday or Wednesday, and then he'll probably sign with Cleveland instantaneously. Daddy plays, but... Yeah, I don't think he's debuting until that. I, I think he's probably going to debut after the All-Star break, but maybe he's in Philadelphia... Yeah, with just with the team. Wednesday. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I think the Cavs are in a unique, unique enough spot where they are locked in one through seven, I'd say, at this point, with Rubio and Levert being like the locks off the bench. Obviously, Kevin Love probably isn't coming back. I wonder what Danny Green does to this, but it's an interesting tinkering. And just I think spacing is now the key factor for Cleveland because they want to give one, their big men, an ability to function properly, and two, also give Donovan Mitchell, who's hyper, hyper, hyper effective in the spread pick and roll sets that the Cavs run, um, just more opportunities to click like he does, did tonight against the Spurs. The last thing to say about this is, yeah, flipping through some of the lineup data uh, where it was like Mobley and no Allen and Allen no Mobley, 
a lot of those lineups were featuring Kevin Love. Kevin Love was like, they would play with Kevin Love as like the second big, as the spacing big. We don't have like a ton of lineup data with like Love off of the court. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will do a little more digging into this for the Wednesday show and I'll kind of come back with some of those numbers. But it's like, this is something, this is like a newish wrinkle. It's not something they haven't done, but mm-hmm. it is not something there is like a ton of film. There's not a ton of numbers for us to look through this and say like, okay, like, you know, like with with Mobley, it's like 931 possessions. The most common one is 62 possessions. Like, yeah, th- this is not like something we've seen like in a robust, meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And like, it's such a small sample with some of these that I, I, it's hard to draw conclusions that they're like full kind of working. But we'll get to that on Wednesday show. We'll talk about Danny Green, then we'll get you ready for Cavs Philly, then, and. We'll take a look at what teams at the other top of the East. So Boston, Milwaukee, Philly. Which of those teams does Cleveland best match up with and who do they match up worse with? We'll talk about all of that come Wednesday. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for producing this. Thanks again to After Radio for providing the music. Thanks again to you, the listener, for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Now make your second listen game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Lockdown game-to-game covers every game. Across the NBA with local analysis, only Lockdown can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Lockdown NBA. That's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. And Evan, welcome back. Thanks. Thank you to Danny Cunningham for covering for me. Um, good to be back. Um, go check out the uh, Just Basketball podcast. And, uh, peace out, everyone. Talk to you tomorrow. Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.